one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, welcome to the 342nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Ethan Eskelson and Turtle. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we have Robin August back on the podcast. He is a filmmaker. He made a small indie comedy a few years ago, came on the podcast to talk about it. I believe he was the one and only episode that we did of the feature feature. Feature feature. Yeah. Yeah. Where we were doing kind Which of... Maybe we bring back. We wanted to do like short form episodes. Yeah. With kind of like first time filmmaker, done a ton of... A thousand music videos and commercials and everything else um, and been working for a while, but it was his first feature film. And then lo and behold, Matt and I saw that he had a movie at Scream Fest uh, and it's October. It's Halloween month. But uh, yeah, so he's back on the podcast. He's talking about his new movie. It's called Kill Her. You can see on Instagram, Kill Her underscore movie is uh, their handle. And, you know, we just have a, a, a fun chat about mm-hmm. going from tiny movie to a bigger movie and pretty quickly and and finding success with that yeah yeah it was great to talk to robin you know he's um he reps that just shoot it hat which is uh much appreciated uh but yeah like you said it, it was a pretty quick turnaround from um his first movie to kill her and he's living and loving life it's it, it was nice to catch up and um i think there's a lot of great nuggets that people can pull from this episode but you know i think it's also nice just to see the illustration of the evolution of someone from their first feature to their second you know and to make that incremental leap you know i think on the show we talk a lot about how We've all heard the glossy stories of, you know, Tarantino or Spielberg or whomever, you know, just being born a genius and then, you know, genius has got a genius. But for the rest of us who maybe don't have those opportunities or whatever, have to, you know, have that incremental success where you're iterating, you're building and you're getting bigger and bigger as you go. This was a really great case study for that. So you want to catch up or you want to just uh, talk to Robin? I thought I was going to shout out uh, Screamfest, which is, uh, if you're listening to this now, it's probably too late, but um, shout out to just genre festivals are really fun. It was, I had a great time. His film was playing there. My wife was in a short that our friend Liz Manischel directed that was part of a shorts block. So it was a nice excuse to go to Screamfest. And so if you are in a town that has a genre festival, they're probably around this time of year. Not all of them. Your, you know, uh, Overlook is uh, is in the spring, I believe. But like, um, it's a real treat to go out and watch a scary movie or a funny movie or a campy movie with people. So um, I recommend it. I want to watch some scary movies. I want to watch Pearl, which was recommended to us. Mm-hmm. And I would like to watch, I think I'll watch Smile. 
uh well and our editor noah mentioned barbarian oh yes i am uh i am a scaredy cat so i don't love it when things are too too scary actually i have a hard time with it i watched misery the other day and that's Mm. most just like a top thriller really but there's a few gruesome moments Mm-hmm. And I, it made me real squirmy. Yeah, the the body horror stuff gives me a hard time. I realized as I was it, at Screamfest, you know, they all festivals will do that like kind of like little intro film that'll be like you know set up the rules, thank some sponsors, that sort of stuff. And they tend to really show a, a festival's personality, you know, are they mm-hmm. cool motion graphics, or are they made by the local filmmakers, all that stuff. I always love them. Um, and the Screamfest one is like you know, all sorts of different monsters are at the movie theater together and, you know, you're cutting in between things. And I was like, oh, this is what I love about horror is I love camp. I love the playfulness. I love the inventiveness of, of, you know, anthropomorphized monsters and things like that. That's that's the stuff I love about that world. And like actually getting scared. I like being thrilled. I like having fun. I like being imaginative, but I don't want to necessarily get terrified yeah i me too i guess i don't i'm not excited about the being terrified but when unfortunately this works on me but whenever someone says like you should know nothing going into this Uh movie sure that kind of gets me excited and you know like those ari aster movies like Mm -hmm. sure there's some that just like are so you know it's just fun to go into a movie that you just haven't Either you haven't seen a movie like that or it just captures you mm-hmm. so well or there's something like so clever about it, like a don't breathe or like Yeah, don't breathe. Baba Duke just like I, perfectly I would executed. Say don't breathe is more of a thriller than it is a horror movie. And I do love suspense. Right, right. Anyhow. Well, it's awesome. Um before we talk to Robin, I just want to remind people we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. I was wondering, you know, we actually said the same patrons this episode as we did last episode because they're great patrons. They uh, both gave it a at a nice healthy level and i do wonder if people like just hear the first 10 seconds of the podcast and think oh i've already heard this episode because i recognize those <laughs> patron names so uh no this is a new episode we just uh, are thanking the same patrons again because uh, we appreciate them and we will appreciate you if you go to patreon.com slash just shoot a pod give us a dollar five dollars ten dollars two thousand dollars whatever you can afford you know with inflation you should be able to afford more or less. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It depends on <laughs> um, what side of the coin yeah. you're on on that. Yeah. But it is helpful. We use that money to pay our editor. We use that money uh, for all our server fees. And um, again, we've mentioned this multiple times, but it really is true. We are exchanging emails to try to get this live show going. Please email us. Just like go right now. Go to j- email justshootitpod at gmail.com and say, I would go to a live show if you had one in LA. I, people would go. People would go. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if we can get 20 emails. I did have the thought of like doing another online event for people who don't live in Los Angeles. That could be really fun, like a live panel. Yeah, if that's something that seems interesting to you, email us at justshootapod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us uh, that you would go to a live show. But yeah, we'd love to know. But yeah, so I think I think that's it. Let's hop into this chat with Robin. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Robin of August. Cool. We are here with Robin August again. Second, Hello. second timer. Welcome back. But Robin, just for future guests, he is wearing a just student hat. And <laughs> yes. we speak, uh, we would love it if you future guests also did that. Um, it would make us, it just, it just sets us up for success, I feel like. This is my good luck hat, man. I wore this, I wore this on set like almost every day. Yeah, I think you posted some photos, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. It does truly feel awesome to see like, oh, a just shoot it hat on set. That yeah. is the goal. That's the whole. That's why we made the hats. There you go. Well, I mean, it's perfect. Uh, it's a hat that states exactly what's happening. So right, I think it was right. pretty, pretty perfect <laughs> yeah. for the moment. Uh, Matt's thing is like, if we ever are working on a production and someone on the crew, oh my god, like knows the show, then we give him a hat. If you don't want to go through the the Patreon, just work mm-hmm. on a set with Matt and me and tell us that you listen mm-hmm. to the show, and we'll give you a hat. That's true. Well, I'm going to need another one because I'm probably going to wear this one out. Yeah, there you okay, go. Cool. Yeah, you just double your um, 
or Patreon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At no, this but, point, I've been promoting you guys. Like, no, I'm on. just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm part of the family. Uh, we yeah. have Stephen Kepfer, who's been Sambo at Sambo Steve on Twitter. He's He's been on the podcast. He wears his hat on set all the time. Yeah. So, nice. Um, yeah. Feel free to. And so does Carlin. It's been. You know what I would love? I would love it if people who listen to the podcast, if someone recognizes a just shoot it hat and they become friends or like work together, that that's like the next level dream, you know, yeah, to be like, oh, can, it's like a secret handshake. We can manifest this. Yeah. I think, I yeah, think yeah. this is a possible. I'm actually going to work on that. I'm, yeah. I'm going to put my vision board up here. There you go. And it's that's just going right. to be all your hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. Sorry, one, just a bunch of pictures. Well, for our, for our listeners that ha- that maybe are newer listeners or haven't heard of you before, you made a, a small indie dramedy. Uh, yeah, it was like uh, 2000. It was the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019 that we wrapped. And then, but it came out during COVID, right? Yeah, it came out uh, the first year, uh, 2020. Sure. So, <laughs> eh, like yeah. literally. I think it was about two weeks before um, we were supposed to screen that that's when everything that's right. started getting shut down. That's right. That's it right. It was uh, kind of crazy, but, yeah. but we got to play it in, in a drive-in. So that was kind of cool that at least they still had something. It got pushed, but um, they still made the event happen. And, and as a you know kid growing up, like a lot of my influences of, of watching films have come from the drive-in in my hometown. So it was kind of cool to have my first film in a drive-in. It was yeah. I was just making out the whole time I ever went to a drive-in, so I didn't see much movie. I know. just uh, was in my pajamas and fell asleep. Yeah. Um. Everybody's just hotboxing. They're not even watching the movie. It's, yeah. it's just filled with smoke. They're like, yeah, cool yeah. movie, man. That was a cool silver lining of that whole thing, though. There was that kind of moment where people were going to the drive-ins more regularly yeah. um, as like yeah. a way to have a festival experience or just go see movies. And they play the weirdest double features, like in my hometown. It'd be like two movies that just should not go together. It would be like, why am I watching this after this other movie? Right, it's like The Exorcist and like uh, Wizard <laughs> yeah, of Oz. Like, uh, yeah, like yeah, it's something like that. Like it would, it, like nobody's curating this properly, are they? Um, but I got a lot of uh, great uh, eclectic film watching as a child, so I think that's probably why I do a lot of weird. Uh, uh, when I write or or anything, it's kind of like a mix of different genres, and so that's maybe maybe that's all part of uh, what what created this brain. Yeah, what made you want to make kill her? Was that? I mean, I'm sure you've gotten this question before, but was the title controversial in any way? Um, well, it was. That's not the original title. Um, I just kind of wrote a bunch of different titles. Um, I didn't think it was as controversial until. I guess everything is controversial nowadays. So it's like mm-hmm. under the wrong context, I could see how that could be controversial, but it's not, you have to watch the movie to understand uh, that it's, it's works perfectly fine. But, but yeah, but we could, we definitely couldn't do the hashtag without movie on the end or something. Yeah. You were trying to just write a clever pun and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, as, it's yeah. like if you took a hat and just wrote like, just shoot it on it or something, you know, and you're talking about film stuff, but then people think kind of yeah i mean you guys are you guys are you know controversy um well so robin tell it walk us through you made this film um it came out during covid it played some drive-ins what 
what happened? Did uh, did studios contact you? Did they say, what's your next $100 million idea? Did you oh, go bankrupt and move home with your parents? Or did some, or, <laughs> or was it somewhere in the middle? Tell, t- take us all lining up. Take now. us step by step <laughs> from like what that last feature did for you and how it led you to this second feature. Yeah, I w- I'll say uh, don't hold your breath uh, on making any money anytime soon uh, as if you don't have like a star in your film. Um, but yeah, we, we, we made the movie, people liked it. It, you know, won, won awards, um, Gravitas Ventures picked it up. Um, it's a, it's an eight year deal. Uh, and eventually hopefully I'll, I'll get my investment back and maybe even profit and I can give some checks to some of the, uh, the actors. But, uh, for me, it just really was like about making the movie and just mm-hmm. doing it. Is Gra- Gravitas is just doing domestic, right? Just a U.S. release? Uh, U.S. and Canada. Okay. And so do you have international distribution yeah. also? I don't. Um, I was thinking of looking at that, but I also heard mixed things about other film other filmmakers that I knew told me that it's sometimes not worth it. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're still like you're getting subtitles in different languages. You have to re-deliver everything. It, it, it's not like yeah. it's it's not like, oh, I've done all of the work, you know, so why not d- distribute it everywhere? I think with our film, um, we basically limited it to every English-speaking country. Mm, so um, you wouldn't have to worry about So we didn't have to worry about all the other stuff. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Yeah, I, I just I heard, I mean, it depends on like who, who what deal or, or, the, or whoever's doing it. But for some of my friends, they said that, that there's a bigger chance for them to um, um, torrent it and... Mm. And and they'll give you like a list, and this might be just one company that they went through, and not every, obviously everyone, but um, they would get a list saying, you know, uh, oh, all this money costs this for a promotion, but without giving you any detail of what that was, so like they literally could just do anything and say, oh, that costs this amount of money. So it didn't sound like you're really gonna make any money. I, I would just say I would do it just to try to get out there more and get mm-hmm. more of the world to watch it, which is you know kind of the main point of that that movie from the in the first place but yeah for what it's yeah, worth i don't know my experience with international is like totally the opposite like the u.s we uh-huh. we had you know we were in every walmart every target all the stuff we like I barely saw any money but international was a, a lot more of just selling off the territories so we weren't responsible for dubbing or subtitles mm-hmm. or anything it's just south america a hundred thousand dollars you know um england like or uk or whatever you know five thousand dollars Tajikistan five hundred dollars mm-hmm. like and you just you literally just get a certain number of dollars for each country we did airlines too and cruises and we did um it, but it really does depend on does your movie have international appeal my my movie was yeah, about a UFC okay. fighter which does I think have international appeal mm-hmm. but yeah, I know there are yeah. some movies that are very American or like Matt says like maybe appeal more to like an English-speaking audience um but because uh MMA is really big in South America. We actually made, I think, the most, our biggest return came from South America. Um, Plus, yours is like a very, like, inspiring underdog. Yeah, it's like family know, friendly story. And mine's like the most depressing. <laughs> thing ever. I don't know. People be on a plane just crying, going, right. "Why am I watching this?" Yeah, well, which so, I've done uh, before. Well, so Robin, um, I'm, I'm so you you made your first film, mm-hmm. and then pretty quickly moved into making Kill Her. Walk yeah. us through, but but with kind of a, a big pivot, it seems, right? So, like, you went from, you know, kind of like, like I said, like, interpersonal relationship 
comedy to uh, a horror movie. How come? Yeah. What what was the what was the motivation uh, there? Well, I mean, I I am more of a I, I gravitate more towards genre. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I did my first film in that form was because it's very expensive to do horror movies and, and sci-fi and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I still love, like, I, I, you know, I'm a huge Spielberg fan. So I've always loved, you know, putting that human, you know, the, the great conversations and that humanity and that heart into, even if it's a horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of just did that without the horror. I, well, it is still kind of a horror film because it's really about grief. So it's like, sure. it, sure. is, it, it is, it's not maybe like a jump scare type, but it it is kind of the horrors of of how life can kind of hit you. Sure, but um, but but kill her but has like kind of that's just like it's campy, it's just like yeah. straight up campy, you know, like yeah. There's synthesizer music and like uh-huh. you know, grindhouse it's kind of like a little wa- well, yeah, washed out a little grindhouse exactly. So, yeah, totally. So so you're saying though that maybe kill her is more true to your voice. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't write the the script, um, so I, I would say that the genre itself is definitely one part of of horror films that I like. I like all, I like elevated horror. Mm-hmm. I like just straight up campy good time horror. I grew up. That's like my whole uh, life. Besides going to the drive-in, uh, would be going with my friends to the video store trying to find the newest horror film that would scare us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just like one of my joys was just uh, reading Fangoria magazine. I just loved, I loved uh, not only the, the, the idea that it, it scared me or made me feel alive. Um, I, I also just love the art of it and just the, the mm-hmm. practical effects mm-hmm. and how it's made. And it just fascinated me. So Jeremy Solonier um, calls it the arts and crafts parts of filmmaking, which I always loved. I was like, Oh yeah. yeah. Like, like a rubber arm or like, you know, cutting on a whip pan to somebody getting stabbed, like the kind of the yeah. stuff that maybe, especially when you're young and you're just figuring it all out, like the magic tricks of it, I think horror yeah. kind of lends itself to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the, the films I would make as a kid, you know, with my, the camera that I stole were like kind of comedy horror sure. films. So it does make sense that I guess killer would be probably closer to uh my personality as far as the humor and the horror and the, and the fun and the, the different, just kind of like, um, you know, maybe that's also with my music video directing, just kind of trying to figure out a unique way to, to shoot something that's not just your, mm-hmm. like something you would just expect to do, just, you know, turning it on itself and trying something that's different, um, is always fun. And I think horror films or even sci-fi, not so much comedies, it's a lot of conversations that you can really, do that unless you have like those comedies where it is that kind of mix of you know it's like a a murder mystery comedy mm-hmm. or something like you can Seth kind of do a lot of that fun, fun tricks what's that movie yeah. the alien attack end of the world yeah actually we did, actually i just watched that with my dad he'd never seen it before uh, how um uh, end of the world right or, this is the end or this is the end, this oh, is yeah. The end. Yeah. yeah this is halloween ends um <laughs> is that uh, so i didn't realize you didn't write the script how did it come to you um so i met um I did this short film called Cupcake, which is a proof of concept for a feature that I wrote that I'm trying to pitch right now. I'm trying to get made. Um, and there was an actor that I met actually in Mexico uh, when I was on vacation um, that I thought was good for the, this role in this short film. 
Uh, his name's Ron Roger, and he he's actually one of the producers on Kill Her. And um, he just met these two um, lovely people, uh, Ned and Lon Kistner, that just moved to L.A. to pursue um, pr- uh, producing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had worked on one film already that wasn't quite finished, but it was uh, they were like in it with other people. So they wanted to do their own film. that was like just them and their new, their new company that they created called uh, Lankus Entertainment. So we just had a meeting with them and say, Hey, you know, Ron said, I'm, you know, I'm a producer, I'm an actor. My friend, Tom Keish is a, is a writer. My friend Robin's a director and a writer. Let's all just chat and maybe we can come up with a project. Mm. And so we got together. And at the time I wasn't fully finished with cupcake. So I wasn't really comfortable sending it off to him just yet. Uh, and Tom already had a script uh, ready to go, which was this one. And it was already made to be made low budget. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we just did a bunch of script re- or, uh, Zoom uh, meetings. And then we got together at their house and, you know, outside with masks. And we all just kind of did a very far apart table read. And uh, it just kind of went from there. And then finally they said, let's make this movie. So, did they watch like your work? Because I'm, I'm looking at your website right now, which does not have one mention of Kill Her on it, by the way. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just, it just screened. So, and we don't have an official trailer yet. And I don't know if they want to keep the poster that I made. Mm. Um, so I kind of just haven't really done that much yet, but I do need to update my uh, website. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> but your um, music you videos, right. like right. very much just looking at the thumbnails are like, I mean, there's one where some guy's carrying a head, a decapitated yeah. head. And just like, I mean, it yeah. feels like uh, someone who's got, style and a kind of a horror genre leaning um you know like so i guess i'm curious was he just like i got a friend robin that directs movies or were they like check yeah, out I mean, I, stuff? I didn't even th- I, well i didn't think i was gonna get the job um i think they were very i think having the feature film the first film gave them confidence that i could do it definitely um but i actually talked to them after uh the filming and um ned uh came up to me and he just like he let me know he's like you know what we weren't sure we we were probably gonna go with someone else we thought you were just too green and we we took a chance on you and basically he said just just after seeing uh me work he just he said i I, i'm glad that we made that decision because i think you're you're awesome and i was like wow that was really felt good to hear that that's awesome glad that he took a chance on me you know yeah it's funny how common that story is i'm sure matt you've had it too where you get a job and you're like no yeah they must have seen my stuff seen my and you then you find out after the job they're like yeah we had no idea who you were we were just like desperate (laughs) for someone and yeah yeah, it turned out yeah i was like okay cool Uh, yeah um yeah Uh, no that has happened to me for sure right but you have a whole body of work i mean you have a million music videos you made yeah I mean, making a film is just it's a different a feature. Deal. Sure. Just, yeah, yeah. It's a beast. It's it's totally different than making music videos or shorts, you know. Right. But I mean, I guess in terms of like style, like storytelling, you've yeah. done the feature and then style and visuals and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. just imagination, like you got the music videos. Execution. Like yeah, yeah. A combo. Well, I mean, I had enough I had enough uh, horror short films that won awards and that I got to show them. And so I think that gave some confidence that they knew that I knew the genre. Um and uh, yeah, they just, you know, I think that was probably, that was probably a combination of just shooting a feature already and doing it on my, on my own with not very much help as far as like, I didn't have a huge crew and wasn't sag mm-hmm. and seeing that I was able to do that and to see that I actually had a grasp on horror 
uh, based off of like the short films and, and stuff that I did. I think that's what gave him kind of the confidence to pull the trigger with me. So describe to us then, like, what did the, uh, like, what was your crew size? Give us a little bit of like, how many days did you shoot? Paint us that picture real quick. So we shot in 12 days, not much more than my first film, mm-hmm. which was eight mm-hmm. rock and roll. Like, did you have the script and then you guys figured out the right budget for it? Or did you have the budget and then you kind of wrote the right script for it? Um, well, we kind of, we had the script. He, uh, Tom wrote the script specifically. Like he was actually going to shoot it himself. Mm-hmm. So like all this kind of happened. I don't think Tom even knew that it was, this was going to happen. And so he specifically wrote it so that it could be done super low budget. What are some things he did? Like a lot of exteriors, kind of a, like not a ton of locations, not a ton of casts or what? Yeah, we shot, we shot, uh, I mean, uh, how many cast members? I mean, you have, uh, uh five basically like five leads with the hxp6 i mean you're talking about 10 mm-hmm, all together mm-hmm. maybe um and uh and a crew of i mean maybe 25 30 not not very big mm-hmm. um and and we also had friends um that were helping with like you know see we want to get a photography so nanlon had friends that just would come down and help shoot photography or help with like you know, they had to get the, we saved money on doing the COVID protocol by Ned um, actually doing the whole, all the, the tests mm-hmm. themselves so that he could be a COVID officer and so that we could save a little bit of money there. And so, yeah, it, but it was very, you know, it, it, what was cool about it was that we shot in Big Bear on a camp. And so we, we all kind of stayed in this like safe place where we didn't leave mm-hmm. so we couldn't really get COVID, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you kind of you did the thing. You did the dream. Everyone was like, "What if we just all got a cabin and shot a movie together?" Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we had just a lot of like great uh, friends that just hooked us up with you know just just letting us shoot there. Like the the camp, you know, was just like a very a very nice um, camp that you know I I think it was at the time where there was nothing going on Mm -hmm. there, so we got like a better deal. Mm So, uh, yeah, just a lot of just a lot of friends coming together and and really helping each other out to to make a movie. And I think you're right. I think it had a lot to do with just COVID and everybody's just like, I just want to do something. And so I think everybody's got excited about just doing something. So, yeah, it was a blast. It was it was a lot of hard work. We had two days in L.A. that we shot all the uh, the stuff that wasn't in the woods. Um, So we shot for 10 days. It was very grueling. uh, But man, was it fun. It was just so fun. And just great people, like the the cast and the crew and everyone was just such positive, fun people. And we had such a good time. It literally felt like a family, yeah. like or a camping, uh, like a summer camp. Yeah. Or something. We don't like to hear that. So, we want war yeah. stories, <laughs> Robin. Um, tell us about too much, actually no drama, man. Uh, like, tell well, us about like, did you bring people from your first feature cast? Hold, crew hold on, I, I want I want I want you to do that, Warren. But I want to pump the brakes and go back to the your original gripe. So, so now with, with perspective, so you, you, you said 25, 30 people crew, that sounds, I bet there are people out there that are like, oh, that sounds like a, like a solid big crew. Right. But we, that really means like yeah. department ha- heads and like a few extra hands to help them out here and there. Right. It's not, it's, it's still, it's, it's amazing how scrappy 25 a 25 person crew really is you know like especially yeah. that's not even every day though that wasn't even every day like because we, we couldn't afford having stunts like mm-hmm. multiple days so we'd have sure. to like yeah you get the stunt day the stunts all in one day <laughs> yeah, yeah. and or like a steady cam operator we only get them for one day right. so I, I was like a cumulative of like everyone at once that helped on the movie it was probably around 25 yeah yeah I think. so yeah. looking back on it now right 
to your point, like the stunts, blood effects, all you know, all of the the fun stuff of horror. Do you wish you maybe had reallocated resources a little bit? You know, do you wish like ah, you'd done a little bit more horse trading and given yourself an, an extra day or two up in the mountains, but cut Steadicam, for instance, or things like that? Or do you feel like nah, this was right and it was fast, but it was okay. The, the hard part is is you know especially as an upcoming director and trying to make a statement. Um, and it's not my, it, it's, it's not, it's not my script, but I'm trying to take, you know, the story that Tom made and trying to turn it into this like greater, bigger thing, you know, by, by doing these, this kind of fun outside of the box uh, ideas with it. And in order to do that, I need more toys. I need, <laughs> I need to do more things that are going to get people's attention so that I think, I had to trade that off to like get those things that I needed to at least <clears throat> get those scenes that I wanted in a certain way that I think were going to be the good scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just have to sacrifice, you know, my own paycheck, you know, uh, some people had to sacrifice. A lot of people had to sacrifice. There's just to make a better movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get the things that we wanted. That know? is the advantage of only shooting really 12 it. days is that then yeah. it's like, okay, well, 12 days of not working is a lot easier to stomach than three months of not working. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and like I said, it's, it's sad. So everybody got paid sure. you know, fairly. It's just, it's just not, you know, for the, for how long it took and how grueling it is, you know, you kind of feel like you wish you could pay people more mm-hmm. for that sure. stuff. Of course. But of course. everybody knew what they were getting into going in and we all just wanted to make the movie. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think I think it is. I think it's exactly what it was meant to be. If it, I think it went better than I probably could even imagine. So I don't know. I, I'm like a big believer in like the director, even my like my first movie, I put in a hundred thousand of my own dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. and I got paid ten thousand dollars <laughs> to direct it. So it's like <laughs> yeah. me putting in ninety thousand um, dollars. You know, I so it's not like I'm really getting paid but there's something about getting paid mm-hmm. that makes you at least when you're just like you know it's just weird when you're the director and editor and all these things and you're having to do these side gigs and take your attention away from um your movie in order to survive uh, yeah well i was like i had an editor for this one which was great so i i mean i, I could have edited myself and they would have paid me for the editing mm-hmm. but i i wanted to work with someone else mm-hmm. right. um together and have like you said like i wanted to be able to not be so overwhelmed with everything so i actually worked with an editor very closely but i i let him do his thing because he's a very talented editor he's an old friend of mine he's worked on mr robot and and uh homecoming and some great shows oh, cool. and, and he's been wanting to do a feature film so uh his name's uh, chris Grell. he's a great friend of mine for a long time and he's awesome and and so i i let him kind of do his thing and work with him while i was doing some of the VFX that I knew was going to cost too much mm-hmm. money for the budget we had, the big stuff, and then the little stuff I didn't want to have to do. I was like, can we just pay sure. you know, VFX team to do those things that are boring, like the Max King of certain things? So I just worked on like the kind of big stuff. And 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 they did, you know, every every one of those jobs had um, a rate. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, you got paid. It just wasn't like, it's you know, it's not, I'm not making Spielberg money. Right, but, right, right, right. Um, but you're right. Yeah, like it would be good to get to that place, and I, and I know that if I just keep working hard, um, especially seeing what happened with Party with Me to this, I, you know, mm-hmm. to me, it's just like another stepping stone to eventually getting getting what that's that should be. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> at least I'm hoping. I, I think I was being cheeky about saying like, oh, like you know, only shooting for 
12 days makes it a little easier to stomach. Um, but that, that is true. I think like every person, I think when they do that feature, they are confronted with a handful of decisions. And I think, Oren, your point is like, it's less about the money and more about the uh, attention that you can afford to give to it, right? You don't want someone who wraps their movie and then it's like, okay, where's my next gig? Or it's like texting with a producer to like line the thing up for like the following Monday. Like that's, that's not the place you want to be in headspace wise, but that's going to be different for every person in every circumstances, you know, like what, what your living costs are, how much you have saved, all that stuff kind of, you know, adds up. Yeah. Um, yeah that's the, t- that's the tough part too. Is like this whole month, like I went on a, my first vacation in a long time and it was, not fully paid like i it it was paid for for the most part through like this company that i started with my buddy um and so like i got a lot of free stuff but i I was away for 19 days Mm -hmm. that i couldn't have work Mm -hmm. yeah and then now i'm going to award shows and yeah and it's like this whole month is shot and i don't now i'm like i needed some work coming up here guys (laughs) like so yeah it's 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 a little tough uh it would be great to get to that place where like you could do one big you know film or two um and then have a good little nest egg to to not worry about it so much for a while but yeah yeah. i have a little factoid for you i always think about this when people talk about especially their their first horror movie um the original evil dead shot for 12 weeks wow yeah (laughs) but it wasn't made for like it was made for it was literally made with dentists money um and not everyone stayed for that full 12 weeks like they literally um uh, this maybe will be my unpaid endorsement, but uh, it's, it's well, well chronicled that like basically the actors like kind of halfway through the shoot are like, this is abusive. We're done. We're leaving. I'm not shooting the rest of this movie. And so there's a lot like a lot of shots that are just like dirty overs where one of the three or four people who stuck around is wearing a wig and another actor's costume. <laughs> like amazing. Sam Raimi's shoulders all over that movie. Wasn't like he like, he's like, he was like 18. He was like, yeah, yeah. I think he was 21. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like they were, that's, they that's were kids. Crazy, yeah, yeah. They were kids. It was like yeah, his cousin. Like, so... and Yeah. It was also, but also they were shooting on film. I think mm-hmm. I just looked it up 16 millimeter film, but still um, just, there is like a minimum amount of money you need to spend to shoot. Mm-hmm when you're shooting on film you know well and i think what reminded me of this is robin your point about like oh i'm a director who is trying to make a statement about what i can do and like i think they made the decision whether you know inadvertently or not to they would you know there are shots in evil dead that took a whole day to set up and shoot right um Mm -hmm. and they did that it was you know just a handful of them living in the cabin that they're shooting in and like that was it but uh but that was the the decision that they made was like more time living off of you know a a pot of boiled meat or whatever (laughs) for 12 weeks you know like the cook is also the camera operator is also in the movie you know some of these i mean we had we had one day that was 52 setups yeah there you go yeah yeah. how many cameras and it was was like all the stunts uh, we just had two. We had an A cam and a B cam. Same cinematographer as your as your first movie. Pardon yeah, me. yeah. I I met uh, Isaac Park is my cinematographer. Uh, now we're really close friends, but I met him on Craigslist to shoot my first film, 
and I and I and I for nothing. And I said, I'll promise you, I'll get you more work. And ever since then, we've shot mul- like tons of music videos. I've gotten him tons of work. I got him this. Yeah, that's awesome. So it feels pretty pretty. That's and awesome. now we're just kind of a unit, and so it's been pretty cool to to see that whole kind of uh, meeting and friendship kind of just evolve from there. So yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. I got my start like on Craigslist too. Like I just like met random people, yeah. a bunch of USC film students and like, I'm still, yeah, like Bobby Lamb, all those guys I sure. just met through yeah. Craigslist gigs. I guess some of my, my favorite indie films, um, you know, like Blair Witch Project and the Another Earth and mm. Bellflower and uh, um, like the super low budget primer, mm-hmm. um, well, primers, you know, great. those were the ones that were made for like the $50,000 Desperado, whatever, like those, all those films were shot for like, like crazy. They're all shot for like 50 days, you know, <laughs> because mm-hmm. the director owned the camera and they just like edited and added scenes and edited and added scenes. And, you know, um, that's why I think like you're saying, Matt, like some of those no budget movies work because of time. Um, but obviously kill her, you know, kill her had a budget. And so you had yeah. amazing people and you're pulling off 52 setups in a day. And when you say 52, yeah. is that like 52 different setups with two cameras or it's 26 setups with two cameras? No, no, there, we were never shooting two at a time. What? That's 52. Wait, why you just, you never you just shoot had a- two at a time. <laughs> we just, we didn't, we had one camera. <laughs> we had one yeah. TV. Oh, so we, yeah, like basically the FX9 was pretty much for most of the movie. And then anything that, um, like we had a Snorri camp shot mm-hmm. or we had uh, uh, Isaac with their scenes where there's chase scenes where he's got a, a gimbal. Uh, he, he's got the FX3 mm-hmm. on a, um, a Ronin RS2, uh, like a stabilizer on a gimbal. And he's just like running through the forest. Right. So, like, so that other camera just, is just like. It's it's there so that someone can rig it while you guys are shooting. Well, he he used yeah. that FX three and that system for a lot of like the really fast action moving mm-hmm. shots because it just was easier to use because we didn't have a cinecam mm-hmm. guy. So um so yeah so everything else that was like on sticks um, or maybe some handheld was on the bigger you know the FX nine for the most part. Gotcha. But yeah, all the action stuff was on the FX three. Um, and there's only a couple times where we had to. to uh, we, we were like, we would have the camera, like we did a, a car shot where we had a car mount rig and we had a, as we're setting that up, he would be, so we were kind of mm-hmm. like overlapping things to get ready, but we've never shot them both at the same right, time. Right, right, right. Yeah. There's only yeah. one thumb hitting the record button. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Isaac would hate that. He would, there's no way he would let, unless we had a, you know, another person that he approved sure. that, that was going to be. And can you tell us a little bit about the casting, like in terms of you said that you you said at the beginning of this interview that your first movie you felt like was hard to make money on because you didn't have anyone famous in it. Um, like, how, how did that experience affect the casting of Kill Her? Well, I mean, with with Kill Her, you know, it was there's was, there was more there's more cooks in the kitchen. You know, there's mm-hmm. more people that have their voice. They want you know producers, and and so it was more of a collective um decision and and so that was interesting and instead of like the first movie i kind of just said you're you're the guy i mean i even wrote some of the parts like specifically for my friends like they already had the part right so that was definitely different um here you had like a casting director and auditions and all that stuff yeah it's just a lot it's a lot harder because there's so many there's so many great uh actors that come in and talent people when you have like that big of an audition um process it's really hard to make those decisions of who's 
you know, right for the role. And then it's an ensemble. So it's, it's, it's like, Oh, I love her, mm-hmm. but, and, but and she's great too. But I feel like them together might not work or they're too similar. So it's like trying to figure out that perfect formula of who fits together. They feel like real friends. And so, you know, it's, it was very interesting. I've done that before with like a web series, uh, doing like a full big casting process. Um, but I never did it with so many other people that had their own, um, ideas and input on that so that was definitely interesting right and you have money people that are right putting their two cents yeah. in but they were i mean for the most part they were pretty um and Ned alone were were very uh open to i mean they'd have their uh, thoughts and they want to be heard but they were pretty they were like we trust you guys like we trust that you got you're the creatives and we trust you so they weren't so you know white knuckled with it you know so i think it was just mostly uh, uh tom and ron uh the other uh producers and myself, um, you know, Ned Alon kind of let us start. They, they would just say, hey, what do you think? Maybe it was like a tiebreaker or mm-hmm. something. They would come in. But for the most part, it was like Tom, Ron, and myself really kind of making those decisions for the, the, the bigger decisions of the cast. So. And did you try to go for like names or anything? Yeah, we tried. We actually we, we reached out to Bruce Campbell. and Sure. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Robert England. Like we thought like we can get, you know, one day a stunt mm-hmm. actor for a, this certain part. Um, that would be pretty cool. But we... We met this, uh, we got, we started putting out to just other people and, and this actor, Harrison White, um, just killed the role and was totally just not what any of us thought the role was. Mm-hmm. And he just made it his own. And it was just so like, it's, that's, that's the character like done. So it's pretty, pretty cool to, to have him shine. And he's, he's one of the highlights of the movie for sure. And everybody, everybody loves his character. So I think it worked out pretty, pretty great. Do you think that in horror, like that's, less important to have a name um well i mean i told them i I, I, personally as a horror fan um i think if you have like a horror icon Mm -hmm. it can help to get people to watch it i think people are gonna watch horror no matter what if they're a horror fan but it always helps it's like oh that's robert england's in the movie maybe i'll check that out if they're a fan of robert england or bruce campbell of course um but i I told them i said if you can't get somebody that's that kind of big of a horror icon Mm -hmm. then get like a famous comedian that wants to do films that hasn't been you know, or something like that, like a Pat Oswalt or somebody that's kind of has a a presence or a mm-hmm. or a fan base. But um, other than that, I don't think it I don't think it matters as much to uh, horror fans. I think they just want to, a good horror movie, no matter what. You know. So now, having come out of it, you've, you've premiered and all that. Can you talk about the future of the film? Like, I imagine you probably have like a, a good number of other festivals that you guys are at least looking at. Um, what's the big picture on that front? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're playing, we got the encore that's playing tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty exciting. And then, um, and then we're playing on the 27th in uh, at twin cities film festival in Minnesota or Minneapolis. Um, and, uh, I'm going to that, which will be fun. I'm, I'm excited to awesome. see like a whole other audience, you know, not, not an LA audience and see how they, they feel about it. Um, and plus like the, you know, the premiere was super fun because it was all the cast coming back together and seeing each other again and all their friends and family there. So it's like a lot of that was just a circle of who worked on the Scream film Fest too, is so at the it. Man's Chinese Theater too. So it's yeah, like... It was, yeah, it was cool. It, that's as cool yeah, as it gets. The whole cast got to put their handprints yeah. in the cement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, it kind of, we didn't really have a rap party. So mm-hmm. it was kind of felt like also this really cool rap party. A lot of the the cast and crew hadn't seen the finished film yet. Mm-hmm. And so that was nerve wracking. That's I'll say that like, it's one thing to try to make a movie to get fans or, or people, uh, you know, audience members to like your movie, but then also the, 
the entire crew that busted their ass working on this thing mm-hmm. and seeing it for the first time. It's like, as a director, it's like, it's a little nerve wracking because you're like hoping that they're happy with what I did with the movie that they worked really yeah. hard on as well. So the worst is when you have like a cast member that you basically cut out of the movie and you forget to tell them <laughs> um, before the premiere and they invite their whole family. Or, or you, you even, rem- you didn't forget. You just have been putting it off until yeah, yeah. the point of no return. You're like, Oh, I um, meant to tell you something. Sorry, Cassie. I, and, and Robin, forgive me. I know that you're, you're not, um, uh, uh, a capital P producer on this, but um, I realized I'm curious about post. We focused a lot on production because that's the fun stuff, but post is also super fun. Um, oh, do you, yeah, did you I feel like, like you had, um, you know, enough resources allocated or like, what? Well, tell us about that process a little bit. Um, I mean, I think we did, you know, we, we had a realistic, I mean, we, it's a pretty good turnaround. I mean, we, we were filming, this, in fact, I think even today would have been a day we were filming. Mm-hmm. So it literally is one year later and we got to premiere it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, super But awesome. we still felt like we had some time, you know, mm-hmm. like Chris, you know, I think we got a good three weeks mm-hmm. fully. Like he worked on it on his own, but then like three weeks coming in with the uh, the director's cut. Mm-hmm. I got like at least like two and a half, three weeks, which is a decent amount of time. Uh, and then we did, you know, the producer's cut. And so I, I think... And, and, and between that time when he's working on it, I was working on effects stuff mm-hmm. and getting that ready. What kind of effects are you doing? Like so, After Effects type stuff? or? Yeah, yeah. Like I did um, like some, uh, I mean, I don't want to give away the, the stuff, but, you know, some like blood effects, uh, you know, heads doing mm-hmm. things. <laughs> But like moving away from bodies. Yeah, I mean, less specifically, that, w- without getting into spoiler territory, I think maybe Oren's asking, yeah, yeah. like, in terms of like, like how heavy are you doing? Like three D Sims? Or are you just kind of compositing things? Like, what's what sort of? Uh, well, no, I, like I how I gnarly actually, are you just, getting? Is what we're asking, Brian. Not, I'm not getting. Yeah, I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm not do. I, I do not know uh, the whole three D space fully yet. So uh, it's just all the tricks I've just learned from like using After Effects, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's from music videos and just knowing how to film it. Like I knew going in what I wanted to shoot and just filming it a certain way that I know that I could do the VFX for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so everything everything we did was pretty it was it's hard. It was very hard stuff, but it wasn't um, that intricate. I wish it was. I wish I could sure. be able to work. You know, I actually just worked for the first time with uh, 3d compositing with someone on a music video well um, so that was interesting i want to say i think that it is awesome i think that like you know it, this is a thing that we talk about a little bit on the show but i think for a director to have um a solid understanding and the wherewithal to be able to do a certain level of vfx that are in a feature film that are awesome but that like maybe are easier or achievable maybe because you have an understanding of how the fundamentals all work. Do you know what I mean? Like if you can shoot for VFX, then oftentimes things don't have to be all that hard. You know, it's just like, did you get all of the elements that you need? And do you think through how to pull off this shot in a real way rather than having to like fix it with CG in some way, you know? Yeah. Um, And I was pretty stoked. I mean, just seeing the reactions of, you know, some of the big scenes that I did do VFX for and they all were gasping and awesome, man. It's it's pretty good feeling. You know, it's like, I know it could, I know it always could be better. We can get like a whole huge uh, uh, house to do it, but it was just me. And to hear anybody that was, it it played, Mm -hmm. it worked. 
No one, no one's I'm like, there's too you know? much jittering on that roto. <laughs> Clean up the feathering. Yeah. 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 I think like, yeah, director of awesome, VFX, man. it's so random, but like a director that knows VFX to me, even like if I do a commercial that has like four shots in it, I'm, I'm now my thing is I just say like, Hey, I would love to do the visual effects on this commercial. I know at this point there's no VFX, but like, I don't want to be in the edit and be like, this is the best shot, mm-hmm. but we're not using it because this mm-hmm. car drove in the background, you know, like something yeah. that I know I could fix in like an hour of work. I think it's, it's a combination too. Like I, I feel like, especially with horror, my favorite thing is practical. Mm-hmm. And then if, and if you add a little bit, it's perfect. But if it's all VFX, sometimes it's, yeah. it just feels And that's really what weird. I'm describing, I think, is like just having an understanding of how to marry different physical yeah. elements together into one shot basically so that you can do things safely wire removal a little bit and then plussing things or or, or whatever yeah. now here's some of the talking to some of the vfx guys, like the, the guys that worked on ours just to hear some of the stories of what they have to do mm-hmm. because they didn't prep anything sure sure is crazy yeah yeah it, 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 again like, you had to do this thing. i'm like you had to do that how did how is it even some of these things i don't even think i was like how is that even possible without like having it a- has to be informed by people who are like okay well then if you're gonna do it that way throw a tracking marker up or do do the yeah. stuff to make it feasible for them move that stand you know mm-hmm. whatever you know unless unless you're like we, we had a couple times where and i've done this on music videos as well where it something happens and we are running out of time and I know I didn't want to do that shot. I did not want to do VFX on that mm-hmm. shot, whether it was like masking or something. Mm-hmm. And you're just, and I, and I have to just go, it's fine to shoot it. I'll mask but, it. But like, if you I have to do you it, know how I, to do it. The time. you know how to do it. So yeah. it's like, okay, yeah. you're, you're making the, the deal with yourself. You're like, okay, I know this is going to yeah. hurt me on my, my, my future. There were so many times where I'm like, God, if I had just like cut this thing, so that it wasn't in the shot anymore. Just like literally like moved it out of the way. I wouldn't be spending two days on these, you know, handful of shots or whatever. But I'm the person who made that. I knew the ramifications of what I was doing and I just did it anyway. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Yeah, that's good. But like uh, having the skills to pick up those pieces, I think the the difference, you know. And there's been a couple of times where you're like so busy. I, I've been so busy trying to get everything that I missed one critical thing. Mm-hmm. And thank God the camera was still rolling on some random B mm-hmm. part that I could use to fix mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it's happened so many times. Like my my short film Cupcake, you know, we had this reaction shot and we get through the, we, I, I get the whole thing done. I'm like, I think I got everything. And I went, I don't have any coverage of what he's looking at <laughs> and luckily i had another shot that shot that way where the actor because the actor was in the shot for most of the scenes but it was like one shot he's not in it and i got that shot of mm-hmm. it and but it was a total just B-roll like an accidental on, you know, plate basically right, like before yeah he exactly yeah, yeah i was like thank god otherwise i'd have to build like three <laughs> build a hole yeah, yeah it is crazy so yeah sometimes you look out i've been very lucky so far yeah well so um, i i got us on this tangent uh you're touring with the film. You're going to other festivals. What I guess? What's the 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 next step? What's the hope? What's the ideal circumstance for Kill Her? Uh, for me, I would love to get into more festivals. I think now, um, now that we've you know had some success with just the opening night and the encore, and if we have any success with Twin Cities, um, we can get on, in some more. I think there are a couple more that we're aiming for that, but that might be next year because we were we were a little bit late. 
uh, we like barely got it done within a week before we had a, you know, like we had like one week to get the DCP and we just got it. Um, so we missed a couple, like it would have been great to get, I think we worked, we submitted to fantastic fest, like the last day at the mm-hmm, last hour. Mm-hmm. So we already kind of knew like, this is probably not going to be good. Yeah. Um, but hopefully maybe some stuff, uh, the beginning of next year. But I mean, my, my hopes honestly are just that to people, for people to watch it and to enjoy it. If you know, if you like a campy fun, uh, you know, throwback to a slash movie from the eighties with, you know, that's not taking itself so seriously. I think you'll enjoy it. What's the log line? Um, four women go into the woods for a bachelor party for a killer good time. And, and that's exactly what they get. I think that mm-hmm, was kind of mm-hmm. the, but yeah, there's uh, a lot of the stuff isn't even fully up yet. Like uh, we just got the social medias up. Uh, we're just still working on the website. Um, we, yeah, we're, we're just kind of seeing how it goes with the festival runs. And, and I know that they're, they're also working simultaneously trying to see if they can be a deal mm-hmm. or, or something with, with the film. So, but it's kind of out of my hands. I'm just really hoping people watch it and they, if they like it, they're going to tell their friends and other people and then hopefully it gets a word, uh, word of mouth and it just gets out. And there. you have some points I'm assuming on the movie. If the movie sells yeah, and does yeah. well, you'll. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really expecting. Not holding your breath. Anything. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, it would be amazing. Um, and I definitely hope that happens, but um, you know, I'm, I'm at this point, uh, I, I can't, I can't get my hopes up with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have to just keep moving forward and working hard. So, I mean, ultimately I just want this to do well to the audience that it's meant for. Mm-hmm. And if that does well, then it can lead to more work. It's really just about leading to more work. You know, I just would love to love to shoot, you know, something that was like my script that I'm trying to shop. I would love to do something that I've written. Um, not, not against, you know, shoot uh, directing anybody else's stuff, but I, I would like to not just, just do that. I'd like to do my own stuff as well. So, so everybody's, everybody's listening out there. My name is Robin August. <laughs> I'm a cheap date. It's interesting because the landscape has changed so much in just the last few years, but it used to be that thing where it's like, you go to the festival, you better have that script ready to hand to like the person you meet, you know? Yeah. And it seems like now we're really like an internet based culture. <laughs> Like it's not. Well, I do have it. it. That's the thing. It's but I, I at this point I'm just going to keep writing more scripts. So they go, what's your next thing? Oh, I have like ten because I've been waiting <laughs> around for people to let me make them. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's so funny that you made that point, Oren, because I, I I love love Scream Fest. I think it's um I think it's a really cool festival, and also I don't like I, I really miss uh, LA Film Fest. So like I kind of mm-hmm. think of it as, I mean, I I've never attended AFI, so. Uh, I, there's a big uh, black hole in my knowledge Matt of Los Angeles film festivals. Blacklisted but, AFI ever since my <laughs> film premiered there. That's right. I was like, Ugh, it can't be that good. Um, but so, but I have <laughs> oh, a soft man. spot in my my heart for <laughs> for Scream Fest. Um, but I my criticism of m- all LA festivals really is that because they're in LA, people aren't traveling in from out of town as much, and there's not that hub. There's not that mm. filmmaker lounge. It doesn't feel like there's, you know, most film festivals, like there's a hotel lobby that you can go to that everyone's going to be at every night. Mm-hmm. And you get to like mix and mingle with people. You get to meet your fellow filmmakers. You'd be like, oh, I saw your film, all that stuff. That's the magic of a film festival. And I think that um, LA, sometimes you don't get that as much as I'd like. But I think, Oren, to your point, I think that that interaction has shifted and changed and maybe not been totally supplemented, but like 
all these virtual festivals that we've had for the last few years, I think maybe behavior has changed. And so the opportunity to just tweet someone and be like, hey, I saw your film at ScreenFest. I thought it was really great. I made one as well, you know, and become an internet buddy maybe has supplemented the um, Stella Artois and pop chip fueled conversations of um, yesteryear. Yeah, I wonder if Stella ever made any money off all their film festival party sponsors. For a few years, you all you drank was Stella. It was in a bucket in yeah. the filmmakers' lounge, and that's over now. But um, I'm hoping I get a little bit of that for, in the Twin Cities. I, I that's bet. definitely something I that I want to experience. And, and you're right; like I knew the thing that was cool about having it premiere in LA is, like I said, everyone was living mm-hmm. in LA, so the whole cast could get together. There's only a few people that couldn't make yeah. it. To be so that clear, was cool. It is a, a prestigious, cool, awesome film festival. Yeah. I, I lo- I'm not putting down Scream Fest at all. Awesome. Love it. I just kind of was more just generally speaking, the experience of going to a film festival is changing. Yeah. You know? I, I will say, though, I did meet a lot of people that came in from out of town just to go to it. So that was pretty cool. And w- were you guys just hanging out in the lobby or maybe I've just missed the party? I, I was kind of overwhelmed with all the stuff going on for the first night, but I went the next night I went and checked out a you know, Luke's short film. Mm-hmm. And I got to catch a little bit of uh, uh, a movie that uh, Thomas Jane was in. And I ended up meeting, I just like, sat there and I just talked to people and they're like, they like, in oh, the movie theater. Yeah. Like, awesome. Like, yeah. I was yeah. just like, oh, where, where are you from? And I met this guy and they found out that he was at my uh, screening and, and he forgot mm-hmm. to get my autograph and asked for my autograph. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like just talk, just trying to like, he immediately sold it on eBay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> care. But like, just, I think if you just go as not, like incognito and just chill in the back and you see some other people that are just kind of chilling by themselves. You're like, Hey man, what's your name? Like you just kind of meet some cool people and some of them are fans and some of those are other filmmakers. I think he, this guy was actually also a backer of one of the other films. So awesome. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's also coming back. I I, I feel this, uh, there was this, there was like an energy that Mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it might've been because people are starting to kind of somewhat come out of the whole, the, the COVID mm-hmm. uh, coma of mm-hmm. just the last, you know, they're like I slowly getting back out there. And so there was something kind of exciting about that of like seeing people again. I had friends that they, that was like their first time they came out in years. Sure. So, yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was pretty fun. It was pretty cool. The energy was definitely there and hopefully it'll just get better from here and nothing bad happens again. Yeah. Or continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, hold on a uh, news alert. Before we wrap up, I just want to ask you, I know we haven't talked about the specifics of kill her too much, but, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. So well, you just free. gave me the greatest title. That's going to be the sequel. Kill her too much. <laughs> kill her too much. I thought kill, yeah, him. Um, but uh, uh, the can you think of two creative takeaways that you got from mm-hmm. either filming or editing? Like I know when I made my movie, I just learned so much about storytelling. I learned so much about audience, like what you're asking the audience to buy into and their patience. And um, like I, I, one of the, my, one of my issues with my first movie is that it uh, it's about a guy who's like, has a tough life and there just weren't enough shots of him, like smiling, you know, and being happy. And yeah. it was harder to get the audience invested in him. And we had to do a lot of that B roll type of stuff. We're like, Oh, he'd smile. And when we called cut, let's use that, you know, um, mm-hmm. for a moment, like, are, are there any, creative takeaways from like a storytelling editing production casting acting performance things that you can give us before we wrap up yeah i mean i i actually learned a lot on this shoot about blocking 
and I that I didn't really know that. I mean, I, I kind of mm-hmm. just went in saying, stand there and do this and I'll shoot it this way. But really working with actors and communicating to mm-hmm. them what I needed and figuring that out was somewhat new to me, like in, like in a in a more professional way that so so that was very I think I, I learned a lot about that and working with the actors and and really just um I, I've been so close to the camera so much, you know, I don't, you know, like Tarantino, like he's like right there with the camera all the time. But we had times where I had to be the camera was further away or, and I'd still be next to the camera. And, and my uh, first aid to come up was like, Hey man, you need to go talk to your actors. I'm like, Oh my God, so sorry. I'm like too far away from them. I'm not giving them any direction. So learning how to uh, at the same time be in that like creative zone of what's being shot on camera and working with the cinematographer while also communicating to the actors, what I need from them was you know, it, it was on another scale. So that mm-hmm. learning that was very, very cool and eye opening. And I think I, I learned a lot from that. Uh, was there any specific the- thing blocking wise that like you did that you would do again? Uh, well, I mean, I, I would I, 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 was, I learned a lot about movement because we only had certain time to shoot scenes. So we'd have to have scenes that were kind of one take. And it would just get boring. And I didn't want to just do the over the shoulder stuff, you know? So um, there's a lot of like, and group stuff where, you know, I wanted them to like go past camera and then turn to the other. So I wanted to keep the movements to keep it exciting, especially because of low budget. And it's just, there's, it's just woods, you know, there's not, you know, it's, it, it, so I, I, I think there was a lot of scenes in the movie that I had to use one take and blocking to my advantage to really, make the scene more uh exciting um and it was a lot of the the scenes with all the the women together mm-hmm. uh and a whole like scenes where they're talking i just want like i don't want to just keep doing the over the shoulder man it's just it's boring you know yeah so, i find yeah but there's a lot of it yeah when i did my movie too i feel like blo- from a blocking point of view like one thing i learned is to like ask the actors like i know i want you here yeah. and i want you here because I know these are really cool shots, but can you help me figure out why you get from here to here? And like well, they what did. the motivation is. They they definitely did. There was there was quite a few times um, where I had an idea, and then they would say, "Well, what if we did this?" And I went, "Oh, per- that's perfect." So it was it was very collaborative. Like they definitely helped me with like what they felt was more natural to do, and it made sense. And then I so it it was definitely like I, I didn't just go in there and just go, "I know exactly what I'm doing." Like. Everybody was very collaborative because we had such little time to to get this done that uh, everybody kind of had to you know jump in and and put their hats together and really figure it out. And so that was well, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sure you set the tone and the rules early on. Like it becomes yeah, yeah. clear. Oh well, maybe I should pitch uh, Robin this idea because, or or I can I've, I'm free to speak up about this or or suggest something. You know. Yeah, I mean, I let them know that from the beginning. You know, I I, I love actors. I love working with them, and I, I I I want them to have some freedoms there. And if they have an idea, I let them know. I was like, I might not use it. it might not work for what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but please tell me because maybe it can solve a problem. I mean, that's really what I've learned just in, in all the time that I've directed is that you really are like a problem solver. And, and sometimes you can't do it all on your own. You need more brains to really help figure out that puzzle. And, and you shouldn't get so into your own ego about it and just go, no, you're right. Done. Let's move on and give, give credit where it's due. And 
and we all make a movie together, you know? Yeah. I find a good trick, and I kind of probably learned this from working with my wife, is like sometimes you know something's not working, but you don't know how to fix it. And I mm-hmm. feel like for years I was just like trying to change things until mm-hmm. like to fix them. And then I kind of realized at some point that I could literally just go up to the actors and say like, hey, this is cool that you're doing exactly what I ask, but like, I feel like there's something off. Like I'm not getting an energy. Like what, like, what do you think you would do? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and like that it's, it's Bring totally okay to yeah. ask people to say like, Hey, something's not working to have an opinion, mm-hmm. but not have the solution and, and have like, yeah, either the DP or the production designer or that cast. And they, and they, feel, they, they love it. Like, cause it, then they feel like they're, they're, you know, it's not, they're just being told what to do. They're, they're, they're involved. And they know if it's not working. Do you know what I mean? If you're on take four or five and everything else has been a single take and you're, you come back with like a different direction every time Mm -hmm. they know you're trying to fix something and they, that you haven't figured it out how to fix it yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's bad when you're on take five and you're like, yeah, even faster, even (laughs) Uh faster. I'll I'll tell you when to dial it back. (laughs) The The best for me is when I have enough time. Uh, because you you don't know the roller coaster ride you're doing sometimes where it's like oh you think that'll work that performance or that mm-hmm. tone or choice will work but then you get in the editing uh, editing and you realize like the scene before it's so perfect but now that doesn't work so mm-hmm. I love it when we get what we're going for and we have a little time and I go just just do something let's just do something different mm-hmm. you know make it be funnier or you know like, and so <laughs> then I have us those a better choices. performance on this next <laughs> no no no. <laughs> Yeah, that's the worst. Like you go up to them, and they're like, "Yeah, can you do it again?" But this time, good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I do think that stuff is helpful. Like sometimes it's like, yeah, like you just don't care about you know, like giving some something, even though even if it has nothing to do with anything, I find is easier to like. Like a lot of times, if I'm like, just do something different, then you don't actually don't get anything different, you know? Yeah. But if you're mm-hmm. like, um. Like, hey, this time you're like more curious about this killer than scared, you know, mm. like, like, let's just see what that feels like, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, that's, that's definitely, and uh, sometimes you want to, you're like, I just say, bring it up a notch. <laughs> you know, that's all I need to do. Cause yeah. they feel like they're like, I have a choice. I don't know if they're going to like it. And then they've realized I do like, and I'm like, let's yeah. turn it to 11. Yeah. Yeah. Give me more of that. Yeah. Especially yeah. on a campy horror movie, man. Sure. Like, Genre filmmaking. Turn that up. To 11. You know? Yeah. Uh, awesome uh well are you down to stay with us for an unpaid endorsement unpaid endorsements um well i will kick it off uh uh with two real quick um one might be a double endorsement or and you can tell me if I'm i think not, it is i'm not gonna mat you and just tell you nope already already endorsed it so the first one that says about half of my endorsements i've got a it's a gun that shoots salt to kill flies <laughs> It's called the bug assault. <laughs> not, no. it's, I unendorsed it the second not, time, so it doesn't count. Oh. Uh, so my first endorsement uh, is Bruce Campbell's autobiography of Chins Could Kill, which uh, is great. I have done it before. Yeah, yeah, Warren's smiling at me. Um, uh, if you're a fan of Evil Dead, um, it's you know his personal perspective on uh, those films and the rest of his career throughout hollywood right. and the uh, forward is written by jay leno right is that true <laughs> <laughs> not bad not bad but yeah it's it's uh it's uh it's pretty great the, he talks about um shooting spider-man as well but like those those early the first early evil dead movies 
I remember as a kid when I read that, uh, just being really excited about the way that you can make a film. Of being like, yeah. oh wow, cool! You can make a movie with your friends in in your backyard or in the woods, you know. And so, like, the first half of the book is really just like backyard filmmaking, um, and uh, is really fun and and entertaining. So, uh, if Chins Could Kill is uh, the first one, and then the second one uh, is the documentary uh, American movie, uh, which was just a I Sundance was movie. Literally, talked to you guys about that today. Man, I you're talking I, about making like how long it takes and just like someone just going for it, you know? Like, so, that, yeah. Yeah, well, and I, Robin, and I don't. I hope, I hope I'm not breaking news, but uh, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, American yeah. movie is is a. It's kind of a two hander. It's a, about this filmmaker Mark Burchard trying to make his first movie, and his best his best friend Mike Shank did pass away. Who was like the coolest? Like every yeah. one, everybody wanted to be his friend. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Duplass tweeted about him and reminded me, like, oh, he was just like a a solid guy. It yeah. was like, you know, it, it was a it's a running joke in the documentary that like, you know, Marcus trying his hardest, putting his heart and soul into this movie. And he's like, all of the extras um, didn't show up except for Mike. And then like Mike's in the snow in like a, a robe, like ready to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? He's there to record ADR. He's like he's down for the cause. And um, I think anyway, he, he, he embodied. Uh, I remember when I watched the movie, I was just like, man, everyone wants a like a best friend like that. Yeah. That's just yeah, always yeah. there. You know? Yeah. So, uh, pour one out for Mike Shank, um, and, uh, watch American movie. It is great. Those are my endorsements. Cool. What do you got, Robin? Um, you know what? I, so I, I was on vacation for a while, so I wasn't really watching much stuff. I did watch something before that I thought was pretty damn funny. It was called this fool on uh, Hulu that, uh, I grew up in a town uh, that, and my brother had a lot of friends like that. So, so it was actually really funny to me because uh, it just had a lot of the jokes and, and just uh, the humor of just like, uh, uh, you know, real rehabilitating gangsters. It's just really funny to me. Um, and it was just really just well-written to the point, quick, fast episodes that just were funny and got to me. It wasn't like anything deep. You just laughed. And, and so that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, we had one of the creators on the podcast. Oh, really? Um, yeah the the uh, the show before this um, corporate was was their show, uh, oh, okay. and uh, I have been emailing with Pat. Hopefully, we're going to get him back on the show. Like, yeah, I, I thought so. it was great. I, yeah, that show's great. Did it? You know if it got picked up or? I I do not other? know. Um, oh, it, it was pretty. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it. I agree. It's it's a special show, and um, there's also not enough comedy. Like half hour comedies around right now you're just like oh i want to watch something quick i've got 25 minutes yeah it's not much yeah. else out there so uh it was a i co-signed robin i love this fool is great cool. on hulu i'm gonna endorse not to knock on your podcast i just like a lot of other podcasts uh, which one it's always sunny podcast it's hilarious those guys love just, podcast. it's always either them or us yeah, no, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. totally different format <laughs> <laughs> They uh, literally do not know what they're doing, <laughs> so but that makes it interesting. So yeah, and uh, I just love like their their weird uh, episodes where they're just like, "We're just gonna do this today." Like I think it's just kind of funny. That's cool. No... no, we love podcast endorsements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt and I actually listen to podcasts. Believe Get it out yeah. here. I thought you'd be sick of it because you're always doing it. I love podcasts. Yeah, love them. Especially while I'm doing VFX, while I'm rotoing shots for your movie. Well, uh, 
I guess I'm just going to jump on the TV bandwagon and just talk about the things I've been watching recently. I have been watching a half-hour comedy reboot on Hulu with uh, Matt's... Um, Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah, all of Matt's buddies. Keegan-Michael Key and um, and Paul Reiser is just like... Have you been watching it, Matt? Uh, I've watched a little bit of it, and I do love Paul Reiser. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like nothing new. You know, like if you've ever watched... 30 Rock mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a show about making a TV show. But I, they just really capture, like, the generational divide between, like, the older generation of comedy writers and, like, the younger generation. And it's all kind of this cliche, tropey stuff. But I don't know. I, I just find it really funny. Mm-hmm. The trailer uh, was great. Well like, I, I just love that, that, speaking of what you were just talking about, the line where she's like, I don't really know comedy. It's like, what are you? I'm the comedy director. <laughs> <It's> like, <what>? <laughs> 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 I cracked up where... So yeah, it's, it's so it's I mean, it's super easy to watch. Um, and then uh, I'm loving House of the Dragon. If you're in doubt, I just haven't watched it yet. I, I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones. A little disappointed with how it ended. Yeah, I know everyone like I don't know why some random ending of some show from years ago is like making people not watch the best show on HBO. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm, really I'm going to check it. it out. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I think it's way easier to follow than Game of Thrones. Um I mean, there are a lot of very similar plot lines from Game of Thrones, but it's <laughs> every time I like watch a really riveting scene, I realize like it really all is about a game. It really is a Game of Thrones. It's like, who's <laughs> going to sit on the throne? Like, that's literally the yeah. the plot. But yeah, how they make this... that one thing so interesting for like nine seasons is amazing. You know, I just thought about it. This is just like a really violent version of musical chairs. It's just violent musical chairs. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then the other show I just started watching is F1 Drive to Survive, <laughs> docu-series about F1, uh, and the and Dancing with the Stars. So if you're looking for any new shows, Dancing with the Stars, you guys know it's on Disney Plus? What no. the heck? It's what got is in Dancing it? with the Stars? I've never heard of it. Is that a, oh, are you joking? Is that, is that a big show? Have you heard of American Idol? I'm kidding. Oh, you are kidding. <laughs> yeah, my, um, my, my parents, like all they watch is like the voice. Oh, yeah, you have, you have parents. Um, the... <laughs> The the cast though it's like Selma Blair who has MS it's like and you know it's hard for her to dance and she's like doing amazing and uh, one of the actors from Coda who's deaf is like also one of the dancers and I mean it's just like the cross section of contestants is crazy they had like a seventy one year old contestant and they have like a sixteen or seventeen year old Charlene D'Amelio from TikTok like I mean it's just like it's such a an interesting cross section and it's like so positive and. Um, if you're looking for something to watch with like your five-year-old kid, mm-hmm. sure, pretty fun. Um, yeah. Um, well, Robin, uh, this was great. Where can people uh, learn more about you, stay in touch, and uh, be made aware uh, when Killer is available? Uh, they can follow me uh, on Instagram. That's I'm mostly on there. Uh, uh, Robin of August. Uh, the the Instagram for Killer is Kill Her Movie. Um, we also have a Facebook, uh, believe it's kill her underscore movie. Um, and, and just, you know, uh, I guess just ask for it, you know, hit us up and we can send that off to the producers and other film festivals and saying, Hey, there's people that want to see this movie and, um, that would help. But, uh, hopefully soon it will be most likely streaming. I, I don't think it's going to be a movie that's going to get a ton of, uh, a big festival run or, or a, uh, a big, theatrical. uh, theater, uh, theatrical run, but. Because just nothing that does that anymore. So um, probably eventually on a streaming site. Um, but while it's in festivals, please please keep going to festivals. Please yeah. keep going to movie theaters. 
and seeing stuff on the big screen. I beg of you as a filmmaker. I beg of you. We will. At least I will. Who knows about Matt? Yeah, I, I do like it very, very much. So, um, Okay, well, this episode, thank you for listening. If you have anything to add to the conversation, if you want us to ask Robin anything, well, you can probably find him yourself. RobinAugust.com is his website. But you can also email us. We're JustShootItPod at gmail.com. You can uh, find us across all social media. We're at JustShootItPod. I'm on Twitter. I'm at SmiteyPileg. On Instagram, I'm at OKaplan. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. You're listening to the Free Music Archive and the Artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.